Ed, good, awesome. I'm getting a thumbs up. All right, quickly, while I have everybody outlined to paying attention, I want to make a reminder that VBS is coming up. I'm very, very grateful that I am pretty much fully staffed. I'm so grateful for that. That was a big prayer request. But we got to get the word out. The Chapel website now has a registration page. I got to put my microphone on. Thank you, Ed. There we go. Let's try this one more time. Hi, everybody out there in Facebook land and online. We have VBS coming up at the end of June. On our church website page, there's now a link where you can register your friends, your children. Uh, please do that. We have a banner that will be going up this week out front. We need to get all our stuff on social media. So when, you, hopefully you're already liked and a part of, I don't know, that social media Facebook thing. Hopefully you already follow us. On, hopefully you do because I don't. But no, I'm just joking. Follow us on the Chapel Facebook page. So when you see the flyers and stuff come out on Facebook, you like it, you I'm not subscribing. You like, you share it, whatever you guys do. Send it out there so other people see it, please, okay? My wife does all that for me because I don't know that stuff. So please just forward it out to your friends. Make it known so the world can see it, okay? Awesome. We really want that to go well. And be praying for our chapel movie night. As I said before, four times this summer, June, July, August, September, the last Saturday of each month, we are putting on a movie for the community at Duty's Restaurant. Just so you know, the church has purchased a new projector for outside. It is oh, nice. We got a bigger screen. It's 300 inches diagonal. It is like 24 feet wide and like 12. It's, it's ginormous. Okay, we're going big. We're going out. Um, we're also, before the movie goes on, playing some family games and activities, and most importantly, sharing the gospel message. Uh, James or John always share a quick two or three minute gospel message, usually related to the story of the movie that we're watching. Even if it's a Disney movie, they somehow tie in the theme of Jesus Christ, you know, dying for you, you know, the Father loving you, or something. We share that with the community. So please pray, because this is our, like we see it as our evangelistic outreach to the neighborhood. All right, so we would love to see souls saved. We would see, love to see our numbers here at Brantford grow. All right, we just want to be faithful to what God has called us to do. All right, and that is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. So this is one way we're trying to do it this summer as a church. So even if you're not there, pray for it. Because remember John said, how can I invest in the ministry of God? All right, one of the ways you can do that is praying. All right, we need prayer from behind the scenes that people will come, that the gospel will be preached, and that soft hearts would hear it and receive it. So please, please be praying for that, okay? Awesome. Now, on with today's message. Second Thessalonians is where we'll be heading today, so just go ahead and turn there. Um, I'm going to, we didn't close in prayer after the singing, we didn't open in prayer before I started speaking, so I'm going to do that now. Lord, my God, I come before you this morning uh, asking you for help. Uh, for I'm a mere man, and there's nothing special, me and myself. Outside of your Holy Spirit, there's nothing good in me. So I pray this morning that I would decrease so that you may increase, and that you would give me your thoughts and your words, and that nothing would be said in error, for your Scripture is holy, and we need to regard it as reverent, and we thank you that you have loved us since the beginning of time. And I pray that as we look into it this morning, uh, that we would grow closer to you, that we would love you more, 
and that we'd have a greater desire to serve you with every breath that we have. In your son's name we pray. Amen. What's your life's ambition? What's your life's desire? What's your goal? Like, what's the end goal for your life? Right, what are you trying to get to? What, what motivates you to get up in the morning and, and move on? What motivates you to do what you do? Like, what, what are you trying to obtain in life? You know, a lot of people, even in, in church, all right, uh, they work hard, they get up in the morning to work hard so that they can earn money to enjoy pleasures of this life later on the road. Nothing wrong with that, right? Some people are working hard so that they can retire early and have enough savings that they can then go travel the world, see things, and do things, right? A lot of people work hard so that they can better the future of their children. And that is their entire life's drive, is I'm doing what I am doing at its core to better the future of my kids, or to better my own future and make my life comfortable down the road. What's your drive in life? What are you trying to get to? What's your source of motivation? Because we all know that, right? We are all running a race, you know, Hebrews 12.1. Therefore, let us, I'm sorry, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of, great cloud of witnesses, uh, let us throw off everything, uh, that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out before us, right? We know that life's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Now, in the grand scheme of eternity, right, it, it is a sprint, but in the present moment, it feels like a marathon. All right, life does go by, and every day is another day, so it's you got to pace yourselves, right? Uh, we also know that Paul says, right, I have fought the good fight, I have finished my race. So we have a race before us, and I know that when I go running, I always have a goal for myself. Today, I'm going to go one mile. Or today I'm going to go 10 miles, which was my goal last summer. I got it, and now I'm back to the, let's do the one-mile goal again. Because um, I haven't run since last summer, and, and I'm starting all over again. But I always have a goal for myself of what I want to get to. Um, what is your goal for the race that you're running in life? Is it so that when you pass away, you can see your loved ones again? The, your family, your friends... The people that you aspire to, one day you'll get to see them again in heaven. Is that is that what's motivating you in this life? Is it your motivation to, man? I I cannot wait for this life. I'm not trying to be you know dark, right? But I cannot wait for this life to be over so that I can be out of this fallen world and just be in paradise forever. There's nothing. Again, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Looking forward to living in heaven. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Uh, we should aspire and look toward the returning of Christ, right? Is your motivation in life and your drive to just see Jesus at the end? Right? What is your drive? Well, there's something today that I would like to say that maybe your drive should be to obtain the glory of Christ. That your drive and your motivation may be to obtain the glory of Christ. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I came across a section of Thessalonians that we'll talk about in a few minutes that is kind of the theme of, of the session, right? We all know that it is blessed for us to hope in the appearing and the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, right, Thessalonians? And that we also know that Jesus Christ prayed for us. He said, Father, I also desire that 
whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory. One day we will be in heaven and we will get to see the glory of Jesus Christ. And there's an opportunity out there for us to partake in that. And that's kind of what I want to look at today. So let's look at the section I want to read today. It has 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 13. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, loved by God, because from the beginning, God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through the belief in the truth. Now, this is not what I want to get to today, but I just want to apologize for a moment. There are a lot of people in the world right now. There are a lot of people in this church a lot of people in the church universal, who are hurting because they feel like they are not important, they're unloved, they're depressed, there's no purpose to life, they're not special. Right? There's a big cry right now in America for that, right? Depression rates are up like crazy around the, around the U.S. Uh, there's a pandemic, definitely... Exacerbated that, exacerbated that. I'm not sure how you said it. It made it bigger, right? It blew it up. Um, you who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are special. And you are really special. You know how special you are? Before, it says right here, because from the beginning, before time began, before he made the world, God chose you. God picked you and says, you're mine. As an individual, God identified you and says, I want, I want Frank. Frank's mine. That, that should give you a sense of purpose and self-worth that is above all things. Like that, that, that should be phenomenal in your life. That God picked you. And why did he pick you? He picked you to save you. And to sanctify you through His Holy Spirit. I, that, that, I don't know, that should just give you such an overwhelming sense of joy and happiness and peace about who you are, regardless of what's going on in this world right now. Verse 14. That was just a side tangent, sorry. I couldn't get through that verse without, like, I don't know. I, I had to go over that. Verse 14. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm. Hold to the teachings we pass on to you, whether by word or mouth or by letter. Did you guys get that part? Why did he do this? Why do we have the gospel? Why did Jesus Christ die for us? Is so that we might share in his glory. The literal translation of that means to obtain. To possess. You were made with a purpose, right? What is the underlying purpose of the human life? It is to what? Glorify God. To give him glory. Right? To give him his worth, to please him, to bring him happiness, 
Uh, if that's, uh, I just want to keep saying the word glory, to give him glory, but I'm trying to find different words, right? To bring him pleasure. That's why we were created, right? And he wants to share that with us. The one thing in his life that will fulfill you, complete you, make you forever joyful and forever filled with self-worth is to obtain the glory that God wants to give you. You were made to glorify God and also share in the glory, to obtain the glory that is awaiting for us one day. I'm going to break down now this verse. We're going to go look through Scripture. We're going to take some of these words and do like a little miniature word study and try and figure out what some of these words mean. So there are five times in the New Testament where this word obtain, now it might be translated into different words, right? But the root word appears five times in the New Testament. So we're going to take a look at a couple of them, right? So what does it mean to obtain? How is this word being used in Scripture, okay? So Ephesians, you don't, you don't have to turn here if you want to, but Ephesians 4.1, right? We know that having been marked with the Holy Spirit, right, who is our guarantee of our inheritance until we, one translation says, acquire possession of it to His praise and of His glory, right? There is a day coming where you are going to acquire an inheritance. You are going to gain possession of it. So in the sense that we're talking about to obtain, right, it's being translated here into acquire, possession of one day you're going to get you're going to have this glory that we're talking about here in first sorry second thessalonians we'll look at exactly what that really means okay but god wants you to physically have something in your hands to to actually hold on to it and in ephesians there's an inheritance coming for you there's a real inheritance coming for you right we are joint heirs with christ 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says this, For God has not destined us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, you are going to get something. Right here on earth, we know that we already possess salvation. Okay? But when is it that you, if you weren't saved, go to hell? When you die, right? When you die, you're forever separated from the Lord. It's at the moment of our death that we will get the fullness of our salvation, right? We will, whoop, I'm not going there. I am going there, right? That, that is going to take effect. It, yes, it's in effect now, right? But the, the, the reality of it is when I pass away, I'm not going there. I'm going to heaven, right? I can have that. Hebrews 10.39 But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve our souls. You get to keep your soul. You get to keep your soul. Another translation of this word obtain. Okay? So I'm just trying to stress the point that there is a tangible thing that you will get one day. Another way that this word is being used is in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. But you are a chosen race. Again, probably not the turn because you know that, right? You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. God physically 
takes us and places us in his hand and we are his people. He holds on to us. It's a very tangible thing. So this is not some abstract thought that I'm trying to talk about here, right? And it's not like me and my house, right? Where whenever I fill out forms, are you a homeowner? Yes, I'm a homeowner. But am I really? No, no, the bank actually owns my home. It's just a nice feeling and thought that I have that I own this piece of property when I really don't. The bank owns it, right? And, and it's a nice thought that I own this piece of land, but really, if the state wanted to take it from me, they'll take it from me, right? They'll eminent domain it if they really wanted that value. So what is really mine? It's just a nice feeling that I had that I have my own stuff, but it's really not, right? Um, there is a time coming where I will physically and tangibly have something, and God wants to give me something, right? So, that's the word obtain. But the best part is, we're going to obtain what? What does that only say? We're going to obtain His glory. We're going to possess, acquire, share in His glory. So, what does this word glory mean? Because there are many different ways of using this word glory through Scripture, right? If you just go through Scripture and start highlighting every time the word glory is used... You can be there a very long time because there are thousands of times through Scripture where the word glory is used. Sometimes it's used to talk about the moon and the stars, right? Just the physical moon and stars out there in space, right? What is it talking about then, right? It's talking about the splendor and the brilliance, just, just the majesty of how gorgeous they are, right? How bright they are. So one translation of glory in Scripture is the splendor and brightness of something. It's magnificence. It's excellence, it's preeminence, right? And we could obviously talk about that with, with the, just the universe and things around us, right? We could also talk about God himself. How God is majestic, God is excellence, he has preeminence in all things, uh, he has splendor. Right? It's, a, it's his kingly state, right? And we also know that Jesus Christ has that same glory, doesn't he? Right? There's an absolute, perfect, inward, and personal excellence about Christ. And, and how do we know that Christ is, you know, splendid and, and bright and brilliant? How do we know that? Well, there's a few things, right? One of the most significant events that happened here on this earth so far, well, obviously, the top ones, right? The virgin birth, right? The miraculous birth of Jesus Christ. His, his resurrection. Those, you know, tops, right? But another thing that also happened that was like super like uh, awesome and super important is that Jesus took what? Peter, James, and John on top of the mountain where he actually revealed himself to them, right? Where he re- removed the veil of his glory and showed them his true nature, right? He is bright. He is shining light out of him. His perfection. And, and we know that this is true, right? Because First John says this, John wrote in his epistle, that which was from the beginning, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at with our own hands and have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of God. See, he's saying, guys, I saw him for who he truly was. I saw all of him. And it was awesome. And we know in Revelation that there's a day coming, right? 
in heaven. Is there a physical star in heaven, like we have our sun here, that shows forth, that makes light so you can see? No, there's no need for moon or star in heaven, right? Because the city has no need for moon or star to shine, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ, in His purest, truest nature, which will not be veiled in heaven, He'll be shown for all of who He is, gives off so much light that we don't need a sun in heaven. 24-7, for all eternity, there'll be no darkness because Jesus Christ is around. That is one aspect, one way to translate glory, right? One word that's used for glory. It's just the awesomeness of who God is. That's not the glory that I'm talking about. Okay? The glory we're talking about is the condition or the state of which we will become. All right? It is the condition, all right, that God the Father in heaven gave to Christ after he was raised from the dead. Right? Jesus Christ was transformed. He was perfect. No longer had the blemish of sin on him, right? That we, well, that he took on himself for us. He, he could walk through walls, couldn't he? There is a day coming where this glorious condition and this blessedness that was given to Jesus Christ will be shared with us too. And we can partake in that when he returns. So let's look at how this word glory is used in the New Testament and see what we can learn from it and what it's going to be like for us. Okay? You can turn with me if you like to Romans chapter 8. Thank you. Appreciate it. How'd you know I was getting really dry? You guys could hear my words. Mm. Thank you, Gene. I need that real bad. Romans chapter 8. And verse 7. Romans 8, verse 17. So we're going to read in here. And multiple times this word glory is going to appear. And it's the same word as the Word that we just looked at in Thessalonians, the same translation of it, okay? Same root. So Romans 8, verse 17. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. The same glory that Jesus Christ has not in his brightness and his brilliance and his majesty, right? That's not us. That's him, right? He is the one to be worshipped, not us, right? But in his new form, in his perfected body, that's what we're going to share in. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. I consider that our present sufferings 
are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Now, we are not under great persecution here in America, but we do undergo suffering at time, right? Guys, it says very clearly, the suffering that we're going through is nothing compared to what's coming for us in the future. It's nothing. Yes, it may not be enjoyable to go through right now at all. But there's a time coming in the near future, in the grand scheme of eternity, where our little life will end. And we are going to possess this glory forever. And when we look back at our life at earth, it will be as small, insignificant. The creation eagerly awaits an expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. I really uh, I like the ESV translation. It says this, that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. See, in this glory that we are going to obtain, there is freedom in it. We are no longer bound to anything. We are free to worship. We are free to praise. We are free to serve. But the best part is we are no longer slaves to sin, right? We no longer, we are free from the sin nature. That's the worst part of this life here on earth. Honestly is. The worst part about life here on earth. Now listen, I love my life. I love my family, I love my wife. I love, like, I feel totally blessed. But the worst part of this life is dealing with me. Me dealing with me. And I'm sorry for those who have to deal with me too. Especially the ones that I live with, right? I am not a good person. Thank you, Xavier. Thank you, thank you. Make me feel good. I am not a good person. I say things, I do things, and I, I hurt people. I hurt myself, like, I hurt myself. I do things that displease my Father in heaven. I do things that dishonor my family name. Like, I, I have to struggle with this. Every day. We all do, right? That, that, that's the worst part is me struggling with me. I don't know about you, but you struggling with you, I'm sure it's not easy either. I, I know you guys. No. The sin nature is brutal. The always wanting to do the wrong thing. Like, that's sick. That I always want to do what's harmful to others. I always want to do what's displeasing to God. I always want to do what's wrong. For a short moment of, I think this is going to make me feel good. When I know that it's not going to, but I do it anyways, because I still think it's like, I've been down this road. I know that if I say this, it's not going to end well, but I'm going to say it anyways, because it, it might this time. But I know it's not. Or I might do this one thing this one time, and I know I shouldn't do it. I know I shouldn't look at it. I know I shouldn't touch this. I shouldn't do that or whatever it might be. I shouldn't partake in this. 
because uh, I know it's not right. I know it's not going to end well. I know it's going to displease God. But maybe, this, maybe just this one time, it'll turn out okay. Knowing that it's not, right? I, I, I fool myself that way. A day is coming. Well, I'm not going to have to worry about that no more. Hallelujah. That, I, I want that day to come. That, that is going to be one of the best parts of this glory, is that the freedom I'm going to get is I don't have to deal with me anymore. I get perfected me. Where I don't struggle with the sin nature. I have His nature. I only think good thoughts. I only want good things. Amen. Because <laughs> that, that day's got to come. <laughs> Because it's hard living with me. That's the glory we're going to obtain, guys. We're going to obtain and share in Him and who He is. We will be perfected like Him. 2 Corinthians 4.17 For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. The glory that we're going to get, we can't even explain it. We can't comprehend it right now. It's so great. I, like, I was trying to figure out, how am I going to explain this to them? I'm like, I don't know, because I don't even know it all. Like, it's just so, it, it says it's, it's beyond all comparison. I can't describe it because the, we can't understand how awesome it is. Our finite brains can't grasp how great it is to be in glory with Him and what He's going to give us and what He's going to make us become like. Colossians, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his majesty, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Again, all the same root, that the hope that we have in this life, guys, the motivation that we have to get through each and every day, the motivation I have to deal with me, Dealing with me for another day is that I have hope that one day God is going to perfect me. He is going to share with me the glory of His Son. I'm going to obtain that. I'm going to partake in that. And I will be perfect forever. I endure everything for the sake of the elect so that they may obtain salvation that is Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is not going to end. Forever we will be with the Lord. Forever we will be perfect. Forever this glorious glory that He is going to give us will be mine. No one will ever take it away from me. Hebrews chapter 2, 9 through 10. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their, of their salvation perfect through suffering. Do you get that? The only way, the only way that you and I could be called sons of glory and obtain this awesome thing that's going to happen to us one day. Is that it had to be made perfect through suffering. 
somebody had to suffer. The only way that you and I could ever get the ultimate goal of what God designed for human beings, the only way for God's plan of you and me to share in the glory of heaven and perfection is someone had to suffer. And that was Jesus Christ. The founder of our salvation was made perfect through suffering. Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our salvation, had to suffer. Praise Him this morning. Thank Him this morning for going through that on our behalf. Because He didn't have to. There was nowhere in Scripture, I'm sorry, nowhere that says, Jesus Christ, you have to do this. You're forced to do this. No, He did it by choice. Why? Because He wanted to please His Father. He did it by choice. There was no one there forcing Him to stay on the cross. He willingly chose to go through that suffering. He willingly chose to hang there. He willingly chose to give up His life on our behalf. He willingly went through that suffering so that we can share in His glory in the future. First John 3. We all know this one very well too, right? 3-2. Dear friends, now that we are children of God, and what will be has not yet been made known. But we know this. Ready? We know this. That when Christ appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Just like James, John, and Peter at the Mount of Transfiguration saw Jesus for who He really was and all of His splendor and all of His majesty and all of His brightness. Guess what? That day is coming for us too where we will not be forced to be in a veil where we can't look at Him. We will see Him. And we will be like Him. Again, I don't know all the ins and outs of how that works. I don't know all the ins and outs of what that really means. All I know is it's going to be pretty cool. It's, it's, it's got to be cool, right? If Jesus, Jesus Christ has the best of the best of the best, the best bodies, the best, like, everything about Him is, is perfect. No more sicknesses, no more diseases, no more, no more crying, no more suffering, right? No more pain. Like, all those things that we struggle with here on earth, it's going to be gone. We shall see Him and we shall be like Him. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being transformed into His image, right? Right now, God is not physically changing my body, right? Because it's getting wider, it's getting just it's not getting better, clearly. Thanks, guys. This this body's not getting any better. Not 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 my wife would disagree with you. It's not it's not what it once was, right? Everything about this is slowly decaying. But hopefully the who I am spiritually 
is being transformed into what he is like. And one day, this corrupt, immoral body that is decaying will be transformed into a new and glorious body. Philippians 3.21 Who will transform our lowly bodies to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject all things to Himself. Do you get that? The same power that Jesus uses to hold the world together and make everything under His control is the same power that He is going to use to transform us into His glorious image. So that's something to look forward to. Get your eyes out of the ground, looking down at the worries and miseries of this life, and the worries about what tomorrow might bring, and get your eyes looking at the future. Coming is a day where you don't have anything to worry about. And in fact, you don't have to worry right now. Because that day is coming, and it is a guarantee, because you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. It's a guaranteed deposit stamp on you. It's a mark that God has given you, promising that this is going to happen. And no one's going to take it away from us. He will transform us to be like His glorious body. So quick recap. What does this glory that in 2 Thessalonians we read, right? We are going to obtain, we are going to share, we are going to partake in the same glory that Jesus Christ has. What does it mean? We're going to have a new mindset. A new nature. No more sin nature problem. We're going to have a new body. A body that's perfected like Him. There's no more pain, no more sadness, no more sickness, no more aging, no more getting wider, right? No, None of that. We're going to have a new family because we are co-heirs with Christ. All the saints, we will be together around one table sharing a giant meal. We're going to have a new home in a perfect place of joy and harmony where Jesus Christ is the light that we will see by. See, He has raised us up. He's going to raise us up and we will be seated with Him forever forever. Today's a feel-good message. Alright? Today's one of those, man, he made me feel good today. Yes! I hope you're feeling good today. Because I'm hoping that this causes something in you. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says, we exhort each of you, and we encourage you, and we charge you. See? Paul's saying, listen, I'm urging you. I'm encouraging you. And in fact, this is your duty. Based on all those things that you are going to receive, here's my expectations for you. Here's your duty while you're here on earth. You ready? Walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into His own kingdom and glory. God picked you. He chose you. He's making you part of His family. He saved you from hell. 
He's taking you to heaven to live with Him. He's going to give you some of the glory that His Son has. There's some expectations in return, guys. Yes, it's all free. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Amen. And it's not on me. But there are some expectations on how you live this life. You walk in a manner worthy. Are you doing that? Are you living your day-to-day in a way that says, God, I am so grateful and so in debt to you that everything I say and I do is to return it to you and give you the praise and give you the glory. I want to make you happy. I can't pay off this debt, but man, Lord, if I can do something for you, here it is in return. Is that how you live your life? This past week, is that how you've lived your life? That you've walked day to day in a manner worthy, in a manner pleasing, in a manner that is, I I don't know how to say it, worthy of what he's done for you. There's a day coming, I'll close with this, that Christ is going to put us on display. Romans 2. Verse 7, And God raises up with Christ and has seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. In order that in the coming ages He might display His surpassing riches of His grace demonstrated by His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is grace you have been saved through faith. And it's not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. See, there's a day coming where God is going to put us on display for everyone to see. All the angelic beings will look at us and go, wow, that's God's riches in action. Look at what He did with those people down there on earth. He took that and turned it into that, oh my goodness. God is using us as an illustration to the angels of how great and merciful He is. We need to appreciate that. Like, really appreciate that. And that should cause a change in our attitude. It should cause a change and reaction in how we live our lives. Is it doing that? I just wanted to challenge us to say that. And I wanted to make you feel good that one day, one day in the near future, we will partake, we will acquire the glory of our Savior. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you that before creation you picked us. And Lord, when you looked down here on earth, you did not say, ooh, that one looks really good, that one's, that one's working hard, that one's, that one's the best of the best, I'm going to take that one. Uh, no, Lord, you, you picked me. And there's nothing special about me. And in fact, there's nothing even good at me at all. And you picked the rest of us, Lord. And we, if we're honest with ourselves, know that in us there's nothing good. Yet you still chose to call us by name to be a part of your family. Help us, Lord, to really take that in. That the God of the universe wants to share with me the glory 
and perfection of His Son. Help us to live a life that counts. A life that brings you glory and honor. A, a, a life that matters for eternity. Help us to live worthy of all that you have done on our behalf. We ask you this in your Son's name. Amen.